0: Oh, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, instructions are important in many areas of life, but especially when you are entrusting something to someone else. You know, sometimes when you, you go on vacation and you leave your house, you, you might entrust the care of your house to someone and, and you give them instructions. Make sure you water those hanging baskets. And other things like that. Or, or parents, when you, you go away for an evening and you, you leave your children with, with a babysitter, you give instructions for the babysitter to follow. Or perhaps you're the owner of a business and sometimes you go away and, and you entrust the care of your business, the running of your business to your foreman. You leave instructions for him to help him take care of everything properly. Well, in our passage this evening acts 20 verses 28 to 32 paul leaves parting instructions for the elders of the church in ephesus paul is on his way to jerusalem he he wants to be there for the for the feast of pentecost no doubts as an opportunity to part in part at least to proclaim the gospel and but he knows that he's going to suffer he's going to be imprisoned he, he talks about bonds and, and so he expects He'll never see these Ephesian elders again. That's what he says to them in in verse 25. He says, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. He doesn't think he'll he'll ever see them again. And so here in Acts 20, he's called a meeting with the elders in Miletus. It's a little ways south of Ephesus, because. His, his ship didn't take him up to Ephesus, it went to Miletus, and so he called the elders to him, and he has this meeting, and he entrusts the church into their hands, into the hands of, of the elders. He gives them parting instructions. And in light of the installation of office bearers this evening, I thought it would be good for us to consider this passage together. Now I realize that he's speaking to elders, that's what the text is specifically referring to, and we're not just installing an elder tonight, we're also we're also installing two deacons. But much of Paul's instruction applies not just to, to elders, but also to deacons, and, and even to all of us as a congregation. And hopefully you'll, you'll see that with me as we, as we go through our text. Acts 20, 28-32. Our theme with, with God's help, our theme is Paul's instruction to the office bearers in God's church at Ephesus. We'll see first their solemn responsibility Secondly, their divine appointment. And thirdly, their committed helper. So what is it? What is it that the office bearers in the church, in God's church, are to do? Well, Paul tells them in verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. That's our task. That's our responsibility in in a nutshell. Now again, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders here. He's speaking to the overseers, he says. But that doesn't completely exclude the deacons. Because the deacons are, in a certain sense, an extension of the elders. They don't have oversight over the congregation like the elders do. There's an important separation of offices. But their task is really to help the elders in their work of feeding, literally shepherding, caring for God's church. And you see that in Acts 6. When caring for all the needs of the church got too much for the apostles, they appointed men, men chosen by the congregation, by the believers, to serve as their helpers by taking care of the material and the financial needs so that the Apostles could devote themselves to the ministry of the Word and to prayer. On the same way, the deacons help the elders by caring especially for the material and financial needs in the congregation. And so, in one sense, this charge that Paul gives includes all the office pairs pastor, elders, and deacons. And it's a very solemn charge. It's a very solemn responsibility. First of all, Paul tells them to take heed to themselves. Take heed to themselves. What what does that mean? Well, it means that office bearers need to watch themselves closely. They need to watch themselves diligently. That's what Paul's saying. Pay close attention to yourselves. Live circumspectly. Stay faithful. Be devoted. Be devoted to God personally. Be, be, be careful to obey His Word and, and do it continually. Do it unceasingly. Don't ever be careless about yourself, about your own spiritual life and walk. Don't ever take a break from taking heed to yourself. Guard yourselves. Why? Well, Paul explains, he explains in verse 30. This is part of his warning that he begins really in verse, verse 29, but... I want to focus on verse 30 for, for, for this part. If we begin in verse 29, he says, for I, know, for I know, and what does he know? Verse 30, part of what he knows. I know that also of your own selves, not just of church members at Ephesus, but even, even of the Ephesian elders, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. In other words, Paul's saying there are going to be people from within the church and even possibly from within the leadership of the church who are going to become false teachers. That's what he's saying. Who are going, they're going to pervert the gospel and they're going to try and draw people away to follow their false teachings. And that's not a maybe, right? That, that's a certainty, he says. For I know it's going to happen. Therefore, Watch. Watch. Verse 31, therefore watch, watch, watch yourselves. Watch against what? Watch against what? What do we need to watch against as office bearers? We need to watch against pride. We need to watch against selfish ambition. We need to watch against idolatry. We need to watch against laziness. We need to watch against, against, against bitterness. We need to watch against against unbelief. We need to watch against greed. We need to watch against worldly thinking, wrong thinking in our own minds, in our, in our own hearts. We need to watch against false teachings. We need to watch, above all, we need to watch against losing our first love. What is that? What is our first love? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It's your love to God, your love to Jesus Christ. We need to take heed to ourselves, brothers. That's a solemn, it's a solemn responsibility. And it's not easy. It's not easy. But it is absolutely necessary, especially for those who are office bearers and leaders of the church. You see, Satan has us especially. He has us especially in his crosshairs. Because he knows, he knows that if he can knock us out, if he can neutralize the leaders of the church, he can do great damage to the church as a whole. So brothers, we must take heed to ourselves. But Don't think, congregation, that this is just for office bearers. You you can just tune out here. You know, there are similar commands in in other places in the New Testament to all Christians. And we need those commands. We need those commands. We need those warnings, those, those solemn charges laid on us. Because our tendency, you see, our tendency is to become careless. Our tendency is to fall asleep spiritually, as it were. Our tendency is to let worldliness and ungodliness slowly begin to, 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 to seep into our hearts and lives like, like water seeping into the hull of a boat. Our tendency is to lay down our spiritual weapons and begin to compromise a little here and a little there. And it's so easy to rationalize, it's so easy. But Jesus himself, you know, he, he actually uses the same command uh, to his followers. In Luke 21, verse 34, he says, There, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day, the day of judgment, come on you unexpectedly. And he continues, For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy, worthy, to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Take heed to yourselves. We all need, we all need that warning, congregation. Especially office bearers, but all of us need it. Are you heeding it? How do we do that? How how do we take heed to ourselves? Well, by spending time personally in God's Word. By feeding on it, by, by obeying it. By, by spending time in personal prayer for our own souls, that we would be protected, that we would, not do, that we would do what Jesus said, right? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Pray about that. Pray, pray that we would grow in godliness and in, and in holiness, that we would be godly examples to, to the congregation. But taking heed to ourselves is, is not just an individual, it's not just a personal matter, it's, it has to start there, absolutely. But as office bearers, we should also help each other. We should help each other because we need each other, you see. It's easy, it's so easy to have blind spots, personal blind spots. And so that's why it's good to be open with each other as as office bearers. We should ask each other how we're doing spiritually and be open, be open about our struggles, be open about the times when we're discouraged, we should encourage and admonish each other in, on the, in the Lord, on the basis of God's Word, and, and be open to that admonishment, be open to that encouragement ourselves. and That takes humility. It takes humility. We must point each other to Christ. We must preach the gospel of the grace of God to each other. We also take heed to ourselves by, by guarding against disunity. Now, I once heard another more experienced pastor I give this warning to a consistory that was blessed, really blessed with unity. And his warning was basically this don't take it for granted. Unity is very he said, unity is very fragile. The best strategy for winning a war is to divide and conquer. And Satan knows that. We must be united in submission to God's word and in love to God and his people. We must take heed. To ourselves. And when we do that, then, then we also can properly take heed to the rest of the congregation. And that's also part of our responsibility as office bearers. Take heed, therefore, verse 28, unto yourselves and to all the flock. The, the same careful watch, watchfulness that we apply to ourselves, we are to apply to the congregation. Especially the elders, they have the oversight. The calling of the elders especially is to guard the flock, to defend the flock, to protect the flock, to oversee, to watch over the flock. Not, not just some of the flock. Notice that. Not just some of the flock. Not just the sheep that we get along with. Not just the sheep that are easy to deal with. Not just the, the ones that, that we agree with on everything. We must, we must support and help the weak too, Paul says in verse 35. And really even if we're going to focus on anybody, it's... it's those who are weak. We must take heed, the point is, to all the flock, every individual, adults and and children. Now, now of course, one person can't do that, especially in a church this size, when you have a full-time job as well. That's one reason, among others, why we have a plurality, a multiplicity of elders and deacons. We need to share the load, you see. And I want to emphasize that because Cause, because it can be that we come to this text and, and, and it kind of hits us like a, like a freight train almost and it, it, it bowls us over and we, we think we just have to do everything all at once and, and we get so overwhelmed that we burn out. We have to make sure we don't do that. But, but the point is that as a body, as a body together, elders and deacons, we must take heed to all the flock. We must not show partiality. We must actively try and get to know the members and, and, and the temptations they are facing, and the struggles they have, the, the, the sins they, they struggle with, the needs they, are, they have as well. We must study God's words so we might know how, what counsel to give as, as office bearers. We must be diligent and watchful in caring for all the flock. And again, it's a, it's a solemn responsibility Paul makes that clear in verse 29, doesn't he, when he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. False teachings, false teachers. We must take heed to all the flock. The responsibility of the office bearers in God's church is to take heed to themselves, to take heed to all the flock. And ultimately, to feed the church of God. And as I mentioned, that word feed, it could be translated shepherd. It ultimately means really to, 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 to care for, to provide the needs of the members of the church. And while the focus here in this context is especially on feeding them the, the word of God, feeding them the gospel, it can also include material and financial needs. That, that's all part of it. And so, and so the responsibility to feed the church also then applies to deacons as well. That's our calling as office bearers, is to feed, is to care for the church of God. The church isn't here to feed us, to care for us. We are here to care for, to to, to feed the church in humble service to the Lord. What an example Paul set for us, didn't he? He tells the elders in verse 20 how he kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 31, he tells the elders to remember that for three years, he had not ceased to warn everyone night and day with tears. He's saying all those things as an example to these Ephesian elders. Of course, they're not going to be exactly like him I, he was especially equipped with the Holy Spirit for, for full-time devoted ministry as an apostle, but, but, but as elders, they, they are to follow His example. As office bearers, they are to follow His example. And that His example should encourage and motivate us as well to be diligent, like Him, in providing and in caring for the needs of the flock. You see, what a solemn responsibility, congregation, what a solemn responsibility, Officers, uh, office-bearers, half. We are to take heed to ourselves. We are to take heed to all the flock. And we are to feed the church of God. It's a heavy, it's a heavy responsibility. But congregation, you can help make it easier. You can help make it easier. How? By opening your homes up to the elders and deacons. By opening, more importantly really, opening yourselves up to them. And also as children, as, as young people as well, by sharing with them your, your struggles and, and your needs, Be, being patient too with their, their shortcomings and praying, praying for them. And especially also by willingly and humbly listening to and heeding their counsel from out of God's Word, including also their loving warnings. Remember remember that the office bears, why they're here, they're, they're not... They're not here to squash you. And to, they're not, that's not why they're here. The, the, the office bearers are here for our good, to help us, to defend us, to protect us, to care for us. And we can either help them do that or, or hinder them. But maybe as office bearers, you are thinking at this point, how in the world can we do this? How can we continually take heed to, to ourselves and to all the flock? How can we continually feed the church of God? Well, part of the answer is by recalling our divine appointment. That's our second point, our divi- their divine appointment. You see, Paul not only stresses, he not only stresses the solemn responsibility of the Ephesian elders, he also reminds them of their divine appointment. Look again at verse 28. Take heed, therefore, he says, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, has made you overseers to feed the church of God, and so on. Do you hear what he's saying to to these elders? He's saying, he's reminding them, the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. He has made you an overseer in this flock. You've been divinely appointed. Now, if you know the book of Acts, you might say, well, wait a minute, how can that be? I mean, if you look back at Acts 14, verse 23, it says that they, Paul and Barnabas at the time, ordained elders in the churches. And then in Acts 6, if you go even farther back, the apostles told the believers to choose men whom they could appoint to serve as deacons, or at least in a diaconal role. So so it seems that office bearers, if we look back at Acts, they they were chosen or appointed by men. And we would assume that that was true in Ephesus as well. So how can Paul say here that the Holy Spirit has made them overseers? Well, he made them overseers through the decisions, through the choices of men. Whether that was the choices and decisions of the apostles themselves or or of the congregation. And the point is, he does the same today. He does the same today. Through the prayerful nomination and election of men to office, Yes, we, we, we conduct the nominations. We hold the vote. And we ask the elected brothers if, if they'll accept. And, and there can be times when, when they have to decline. There, there can be times where they can't accept. And That's all part of it. But in all of it, you see, it's God. He's in charge. It's God who directs the final outcome. And so we've been called, brothers, not simply by the congregation. We've been called by the Holy Spirit. We've been called by God. We've been appointed, divinely appointed, to our various offices. And that should help us in fulfilling our solemn responsibility. It should help us when temptations come. It should help us when things get tough, and things will get tough at times. There may well be times when we we just feel like quitting. There may, may, may be times when a visit doesn't go well. There may be times where you feel completely at a loss in a particular situation what do you do what do you say there may be times when you feel frustrated at a consistory meeting there may be times when you feel so discouraged perhaps even just at your own shortcomings that you feel like walking away But then remember you've been divinely appointed You will one day have to answer to God for for how you fulfilled your responsibility and and let that motivate you then. Let, Let recalling your divine appointment motivate you and spur you on to persevere, to be faithful, and to grow in faithfulness. To grow in faithfulness. The Lord does not demand perfection. He demands faithfulness. Faithfulness. And so be encouraged and to be faithful. Independence on God, so that you might hear from God one day those blessed words, Well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So that when, as Peter says to his fellow elders in 1 Peter 5, verse 4, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that shall not fade away. Recall your divine appointment that'll help you, that'll help you motivate you to fulfill. Your solemn responsibility and it it encourages you too because you see when the holy spirit appoints men to ministry whether that's as pastor or elders or deacons or whatever it is he doesn't just appoint them and then leave them to themselves he doesn't leave them to do it on their own no he enables them he empowers them to fulfill their responsibility he supplies what they need we read about that in the book of acts don't we How many times we read that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and that gave them boldness and power to minister. Well, it's the same Spirit who's appointed you to your various offices. What an encouragement that is to, to us. The Spirit has appointed us and He will not leave us to ourselves. And look to Him. Look to Him for help and for strength. Also, every day to faithfully fulfill that responsibility that he has given. While recalling their divine appointment should motivate and encourage office bearers, that's really the reason Paul mentions it here in, his, in the text. But, but it's good, congregation, that we also be reminded of it for ourselves. It's good for us as a congregation to recall, to, to remember that the office bearers are divinely appointed. They, they are appointed by the Holy Spirit because it shows us how important it is that we heed them. Right? But we submit to them in the Lord. That's one of the things we promise to do when we make confession of faith. We promise to submit ourselves to the pastoral supervision and discipline of the church. But why is that so important? Because they are appointed by the Holy Spirit. To refuse to submit to them or to complain against them or to ignore their counsel when it's an agreement with God's word grieves it's not just detrimental for your own soul it grieves the holy spirit listen to how first thessalonians 5 verses 12 and 13 call us to treat those who are in office who serve in office first thessalonians 5 12 and 13 says this and we beseech you brethren to know or respect them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Is that how you regard your office bears, to your Bethel Free Reformed Church? You notice Paul makes no qualifications, no restrictions here. He doesn't say respect them or esteem them highly in love just when you get along with them. Just when you agree with them, just when you think they deserve it, he says respect them. Esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. I know it might be hard at times for all kinds of reasons, but when it's hard, remember, remember they are appointed by the Holy Spirit. They are called by God. Office bearers are divinely appointed. But they also have a a committed helper, a committed helper. That's really the second part to the question, how how can we feed, how can we carry out our responsibility? And this our third and last point. I want to look here at the last phrase in verse 28 as well as all of verse 32. At the end of verse 28, Paul reminds the Ephesian elders that the church they are called to take care of, the church they are called to feed, is a church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. And then in in verse 32, he says this, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. What an encouragement. What an encouragement that is, isn't it? He points them to God. He entrusts them to God as their helper. And when we take this verse together with the end of verse 28, we see what a committed helper God is. Because at the end of verse 28, he reminds them that the church is God's church, which he has purchased with his own blood, with the blood of his own dear son. Paul is pointing out to the elders, God is committed to his church. He, he's so committed to her, he paid the ultimate price for her. He bought her. I mean, that's, he bought her with his own blood. That's why there's a church in the first place. He bought her with the blood that his son shed on the cross. And in one sense, that's that's really an extension of Paul's warning or or calling to to the elders, to, to take their calling seriously. Because not to care for the church of God, a church that he purchased with his own blood, is a serious thing. But I want to look at it here primarily as an encouragement, an encouragement also to you office bearers. Especially to you who are, who are just coming in. You, you may feel overwhelmed at times. Maybe even a, a lot of the time. But God, God will help you. God will help you. How do you know? I need, I, I'm preaching to myself just as much as to you here. Because he bought his church with his own blood. That's how much he cares for her. That's how much he's committed to her. And since that's, how much, that, 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 since that's how committed he is to her, since he cared enough to give his own blood, you can rest assured that he is fully committed to helping you and me and all of us as office bearers in our work. He will help us because the church is so precious to him. And I should encourage you, encourage me, encourage us all to look to him with confidence for help, in our, in our work as office bearers. He is our committed helper. So commend yourself. Let us commend each other too in congregation and commend your, your elders, your deacons. Myself as pastor, commend us to God and to the word of his grace. He's our committed helper. We see that in the blood he shed, but we also see it in the resources he provides in verse 32, Paul commends the elders to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build them up and to give them an inheritance among them that are sanctified. You see what he's saying? He's saying God has not left us to, 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 to figure out how to care for His church on our own resources. He's not left us to ourselves. He gives you Himself. And he gives you his word. And and what a comforting gift that is because this word, it's a word of of grace. Of grace. It's the gospel. It reveals God as a God of almighty grace. And it's a word then that is able to build us up as office bearers and, and also as the congregation. It's a word that is able to build us up. And to give us an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Them that are saved and and, and set apart in Christ Jesus. The point is, God provides all that we need. All that we need to carry out our responsibility. He provides us with himself. He provides us with his word. He provides us with his grace. Grace to forgive our shortcomings. And grace also to renew us and to restore us and to enable us and to strengthen us to faithfully carry out our duties. He is and will be our committed helper. So be encouraged. God will help you. And dear congregation, let us also all look to this same God. He's the God of grace. He's the God who has shed his blood for a church, for a church so that he might bring her to God that he might bring sinners to God. So let's look to him then, the one who freely offers salvation in and through his Son, Jesus Christ, and has and shed blood on the cross. Let's trust in him, and let's then also be faithfully committed together with our leaders, whom God has appointed to him, who has faithfully, who has purchased his church with his own blood, and will be faithful to the end. Amen. We will now turn to the form for the installation of Office Bears on page 145. 145 in the back of your Psalters. Beloved Christians, you know that we have several times published unto you the names of our brethren here present who are chosen to the office of elders and deacons in this church, to the end that we, might know why, that we might know whether any person had ought or anything to allege why they should not be ordained in their respective offices. And whereas no one has appeared before us who has alleged anything lawful against them, we shall therefore at present, in the name of the Lord, proceed to their ordination." But first you who are to be ordained and all those who are here present shall attend to a short declaration from the word of God concerning the institution and the office of elders and deacons. Of the elders, it is to be observed that the word elder or eldest, which is taken from the Old Testament and signifies a person who is placed in an honorable office of government over others, is applied to two sorts of persons who minister in the church of Jesus Christ, for the apostle says the elders that rule well shall be counted worthy of double honor especially they who labor in the word and doctrine hence it is evident that there were two sorts of elders in the apostolic church the former whereof did labor in the word and doctrine and the latter did not the first were the ministers of the word and pastors who preached the gospel and administered the sacraments but the others who did not labor in the word and still did serve in the church bore a particular office namely they had the oversight of the church and ruled the same with the ministers of the word. For Paul in Romans 12, having spoken of the ministry of the word and also of the office of distribution or deaconship, speaks afterwards particularly of this office, saying, He that rules, let him do it with diligence. Likewise, in another place, he counts government among the gifts and offices which God has instituted in the church. Thus we see that these sorts of ministers are added to the others who preach the gospel, to aid and assist them, as in the Old Testament, the common Levites were to the priests in the service of the tabernacle, in in those things which they could not perform alone. Notwithstanding, the offices always remain distinct one from the other. Moreover, it is proper that such men should be joined to the ministers of the word in the government of the church, to the end that thereby all tyranny and lording may be kept out of the church of God, which may sooner creep in when the government is placed in the hands of one alone Or of a very few. And thus the ministers of the word, together with the elders, form a body or assembly, being as a council of the church, representing the whole church, to which Christ alludes when he says, Tell the church, which can in no wise be understood of all and every member of the church in particular, but very properly of those who govern the church out of which they are chosen. Therefore, in the first place, the office of elders is, together with the ministers of the word, to take the oversight of the church which is committed to them, and diligently to look whether everyone properly deports himself or conducts himself in his confession and conversation, to admonish those who behave themselves disorderly, and to prevent as much as possible the sacraments from being profane, also to act according to the Christian discipline against the impenitent, and to receive the penitent again into the bosom of the church as does not only appear from the above-mentioned saying of Christ, but also from many other places of Holy Scripture, as 1 Corinthians 5 and 2 Corinthians 2, that these things are not alone entrusted to one or two persons, but to many many who are ordained thereto. Secondly, since the Apostle enjoins that all things shall be done decently and in order among the Christians, and that no other persons ought to serve in the Church of Christ but those who are lawfully called according to the Christian ordinance, Therefore, it is also the duty of the elders to pay regard to it and in all occurrences which relate to the welfare and good order of the church to be assistant with their good counsel and advice to the ministers of the word, yea, also to serve all Christians with advice and consolation. Thirdly, it is also the duty particularly to have regard unto the doctrine and conversation of the ministers of the word to the end that all things may be directed to the edification of the church and that no strange doctrine be taught, according to that which we read in Acts 20, where the apostle exhorts to watch diligently against the wolves which might come into the sheepfold of Christ, for the performance of which the elders are in duty bound diligently to search the word of God and continually be meditating on the mysteries of faith. Concerning the deacons of the origin and institution of their office, we may read, Acts 6, where we find that the apostles themselves did in the beginning serve the poor, at whose feet was brought the price of the things that were sold, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. But afterwards, when a murmuring arose because the widows of the Grecians were neglected in the daily ministrations, men were chosen by the advice of the apostles who should make the service of the poor their peculiar business or particular business to the end that the apostles might continually give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this has been continued from that time forward in the church. as appears from Romans 12, where the apostle, speaking of this office, says, He that gives, let him do it with simplicity. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, speaking of helps, he means those who are appointed in the church to help and assist the poor and needy. Indigent means needy in time of need from which passage we may easily gather what the deacon's office is, namely, that they in the first place collect and preserve with the greatest fidelity and diligence the alms and goods which are given to the poor, yea, to do their utmost endeavors, that many good means be procured for the relief of the poor. The second part of their office consists in distribution, wherein are not only required discretion and prudence to bestow the alms only on objects of charity, but also cheerfulness and simplicity to assist the poor with compassion and hearty affection, as the Apostle requires. For which end it is very beneficial that they do not only administer relief to the poor and needy with external gifts, but also with comfortable words from Scripture. To the end, therefore, beloved brethren, and I ask you to rise, Brother Peter Boss and Ben Vendriest and Jack Vandenbroek, that everyone may hear that you are willing to To take your respective offices upon you, you shall answer to the following questions. So if you could please rise as I ask these questions. In the first place, I ask you, both elders and deacons, whether you do not feel in your hearts that you are lawfully called of God's church and consequently of God himself, to these your respective holy offices. Secondly, whether you believe the books of the Old and New Testament to be the only word of God and the perfect doctrine of salvation, and do reject all doctrines repugnant thereto. And thirdly, whether ye promise agreeably to said doctrine, faithfully according to your ability to discharge your respective offices, as they are here described, ye elders in the government, elder in the government of the church, together with the minister of the word, and ye deacons in the ministration to the poor, do you also jointly promise to walk in all godliness and to submit yourself in case you should become remiss in your duty to the admonition of the church. What is your answer, Brother Voss? Brother Vendryston? Brother Vandenbroek? Well, brothers, it's, it's uh, good to, to see you here. It's my first installation of office bearers, and I'm looking forward to working with you and serving the, the Lord and, the, and His church with you. And I pray that the Lord may richly bless you and as you take up your callings, also your families—it's a, it's a, its a cost to to the families as well. But I pray that they will also be blessed and, and helped and encouraged too. Um, I want to leave. I want to read a text for you that I thought of as I was thinking of you, brothers. And it comes from Second Corinthians nine, verse eight. Second Corinthians nine, verse eight where the Apostle Paul says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So that's an encouragement also, that the God of all grace will also provide all you need. And also I want to thank the brothers who are ending their terms tonight, as uh, Brother uh, Jason Bremer, Brother Ben Maljars, Brother Dan Vanee, and, and also Brother Marvin Van Manen. We have served together for only a, a short time, but on behalf of the consistriates and, and on, uh, of the congregation, I want to thank you for your labors among us as a congregation. And I also thank your families and your, your, your wives and your children, because it's not always easy to bear, to, to have uh, husbands and fathers bearing office. But may the Lord give you a, a good time of rest. And I have a, a verse also For you brothers as well 2nd Thessalonians 3 verse 16 our prayer for you now the Lord of peace himself and that means really wholeness completeness health everything the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means the Lord be with you all I'm going to Give the blessing here to these brothers. And then I would ask the congregation to rise and we'll sing as a, as a psalter of blessing together, a prayer of blessing for these brothers. We'll sing standing, psalter 344, verses 3 and 4. And I also want to note that the brothers did sign the formula of subscription, the subscription to the three forms of unity, the Reformed creeds and confessions that we have in the back of our psalter. They signed that, in the, it was read, and they signed it their agreement to it in the consistory room before the service. And so, uh, now receive the blessing of the Lord, the Almighty God and Father, replenish you all with His grace, that you may faithfully and fruitfully discharge your respective offices. Amen. Psalter 344, 3 and 4.